Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to CoastalOaksChurch.org. Now grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. You have your Bible, if you would take it and open to the book of Ruth, chapter 3. Good to see all of you back after the COVID trials again, and some of you have been out partying on vacation. Shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. We missed you is what I should say. Glad we're, we're all back together. I wondered if, if you've ever had um, made plans for a big trip or some kind of big life event only to see them fall through. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, yes. Somebody in the first service said, yes, Hurricane Harvey. Uh, yeah, that ruined a lot of things, didn't it? A couple of years ago, uh, we had plans for a big family Christmas. We hadn't had one in a while, and we're gonna have a big uh, Paw birthday today um, in the families here, so we're excited, yes. Grandchildren are all applauding, hoping for more inheritance. Um, but we were excited that we had, we had that, uh, you know, pre-COVID, we had to deal with the flu, yeah? Some of you have had the flu already. The flu messed that Christmas up. We had big tramp plan go north. We're going to maybe see snow, all good things, and it just fell through. There's a moment here in Ruth chapter 3 and 4 where the plans that Naomi had come up with, no doubt by God's bigger plan, might fall through. For there was another redeemer that was closer than Boaz. But in God's big picture, in God's God's story in Scripture, as we're reading through the Old Testament this year as a church, we have seen that story unfold time and time again. And we've seen where this story is complex. Um, It's got a lot of different moving parts where it's extensive, it's costly, um, and it takes multiple generations to um, eventually get us to the point where Jesus comes, thousands of years, multiple generations are coming. So through all of that, we find in the middle of Ruth that um, sometimes our plans might come up just short or fail, but God's big plan of redemption is going to happen and continues to happen. His big plan of redemption was a success, still is a success every time a lost sinner comes home. That success is offered and accomplished through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God had it in his heart and in his mind and in his plan to to bring Christ to the cross, which is the central focus of his plan, where there at the cross, redemption would be bought and paid for, and we lost sinners could come home. The story of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz are a part of that plan. We'll call it uh, what one commentator said, let's call it Operation Redemption. Chapter three and chapter four obviously play a part of that bigger story. What you see in chapter three is, is faith, faith of Naomi, to take action on what she knows is in the law for her as a widow. Let's think about faith. Faith is not just a mental assent to a truth or a particular set of truths, believing it to be real or accurate, you got your truth, my truth, whatever, whatever, but faith also involves, biblical faith involves putting that which we believe into action. 
It's not just saying, yes, I believe and I have faith, but it's living that faith out um, in obedience to the Lord. Ruth chapter three is that chapter where Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz are living that faith, that trust in the word of God out as God is orchestrating the whole plan, moving it forward to the time when Jesus would come. And the whole uh, portion of his plan, God uses the active faith of his people, of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz, to bring about that fulfillment of his plan. So if you would, um, I'm going to read from Ruth chapter 3. If you would stand as I do, um, then we will uh, read the whole chapter of chapter 3 and we'll proceed. The word of the Lord says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet. And lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother in law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you were wearing and hold it out. So She held it out, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city, and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her that all, all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. And she replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word and the truth of your word. Thank you for the sufficiency of your word. Father, that it gives us truth today in the time when um, everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. We can look with our eyes and read your truth, the truth. Father, we thank you that... um, We have this opportunity to gather this morning to dig into your word. And Lord, now my prayer is that what we do not know, you will teach us, and what we are not yet, you will make us for your glory and our good. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, church. 
It struck me as I was reading this this week in verse 1, that Naomi's first statement after this, some time had passed from the chapter 2 into chapter 3, it's probably a couple of months, the barley harvest has, has come to, a, to an end, but they're still doing the winnowing, they're still doing the work, um, but that time has come to an end, and, and uh, we have Naomi saying this to Ruth, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? Boaz is recognized as a redeemer, but you hear Naomi's heart for her daughter-in-law, eventually she'll call her daughter, her daughter Ruth, rest. Naomi's concern remains for Ruth. Should I not seek rest for you? Friends, rest is only found and provided by the true redeemer. As Naomi is concerned for Ruth, we see that in verse one, we hear that from her heart, the rest that Naomi has in mind is a place of security for Ruth, that Elimelech's name and his family line will continue, that the land will stay inside the family. That's where Naomi is thinking, that kind of rest, that kind of security for Ruth, and security for Ruth means security and rest for Naomi. And that's going to come through a marriage. That's gonna happen through Boaz. You remember from last week that when Naomi left Bethlehem with Elimelech leading her and their two sons. They leave Bethlehem, which is going through a severe famine, but the name of Bethlehem means house of bread, but they leave the house of bread and they go to what's been called the, the, the land of Moab, the empty promises of Moab. What turned out to be full of hope and full of promise turned out to be full of bitterness and heartache and loss as Naomi lost her husband Elimelech and her two sons. You remember that she left and she, when she comes back, she comes back because she heard that God had visited his people back in Bethlehem. That means that somebody's heart, the, the hearts of God's people had turned back to him in Bethlehem and the time of harvest was back and God had visited his people and when God visits his people, God reorients our hearts back toward him, back toward home where he leads us to repentance. That's repentance. It draws our attention away from ourselves, where we revolve around ourselves in our own little world, but rather refocuses our heart back on him, which should be there all the time. That's where we should have our focus anyway. But that's what happened. The context of what's happening now in chapter three is that Naomi is concerned for Ruth. They are struggling. Yes, they, she's been gleaning in the fields. Yes, they've had some needs met, but there's still this issue of Elimelech's name and that they are in need of a redeemer, someone to come and redeem the land, someone to come to redeem the, 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 the family name. So out of that, we find in Deuteronomy chapter 25 where God had set up for marriage to be the pathway, the marriage of a relative, that a relative would come and redeem the widow um, whether it's Ruth or, or Naomi, whoever it could be, but would redeem those who die without an heir. That's gonna happen through Boaz. In those days, it was vital. We just need a basic understanding. It was vital for the man's family name to be preserved and carry on. That's gonna happen. We don't need to go into that too much more than that, but just to understand that that is what is in play for Naomi. So what we wanna see, though, is that Naomi is aware of that standard, She's aware that that is at least the, the custom, but more importantly, that it is the, the, the law of God that he had put into place. There was also a provision in God's law to make sure that if an Israelite family fell on hard times, fell into debt, 
had to sell themselves into slavery to pay the debt or somehow to get out of it, the nearest male relative would also come along as a kinsman redeemer and would buy the family back. He would pay the penalty or pay the price to buy that land back for his family to get them back in a good standing. Those two statutes are in the background of what Naomi is dealing with here in her actions. And what we can pull away from that is just this. Faith takes initiative on the basis of God's word. Okay, faith takes initiative on the basis of God's word. What we know to be true in the word of God, we take action on. Why? Because it is God's word. That's a common theme throughout all of the Old Testament. You see it all the way back where the old crafty serpent, what did he do with Adam and Eve? He called into question God's authority. He called into question God's word to them to not eat from that tree. And exactly what did they do? They ate from that tree. He's been doing it to us all along to make us doubt the word of God, to make us doubt the sufficiency and the power of the word of God, the accuracy of the word of God, the truth of the word of God. We see it in Abraham and his story where he believed God. He believed God's promise and it was credited to him as righteousness. Though the call to trust in God and to trust in his word is common throughout scripture, what is not always common is to see what Naomi is doing, which is to take action on that word. It's not, it's not common to find God's people actually taking action on God's word. They're always tripping up, right? That's the whole cycle of the judges that we kind of walked through a couple of weeks ago. So Naomi's goal is rest. Rest for Ruth, security for Ruth, essentially for herself too. And what we're gonna see is that rest is found in that relationship to the Redeemer. But there's that issue of the Redeemer. As Ruth took Naomi's directions and she went to Boaz in the evening, there's another Redeemer. Naomi's plan for Ruth was that she would go at night. You are to be attractive, Naomi told her. You need to be attentive. You need to be assertive. You need to be available. So as Boaz is working that evening and he, he eats and he drinks and he's in a good place, right? The quickest way to a man's heart is what? Through the stomach. You can tell some of us are loved more than others. But she's to be attractive. What is that about? You need to make yourself look pretty. You need to get yourself ready, get cleansed, be ready to go. Well, Ruth was still in mourning. Naomi as well. There's a, a visible sign of mourning, and, and Naomi's saying, like, get rid of that. It's time to step out. It's time to, to take, up, take your place. It's time to go to Boaz. Get yourself ready. Be attentive. Don't let him know you're there. Pay attention to what he's doing. Watch him, but don't let him know, don't let him know that you're there. Wait till he's done eating and drinking. Be assertive. Go and uncover his feet. It's a pretty, pretty uh, scandalous thing to do for her to go and lay across his feet. But you're gonna go in humility. You're gonna go and you're gonna wake him up. And when he wakes up, you need to invite him. You need to tell him that he is gonna be the redeemer. It's not intended here. Some would say, oh, this is a scandalous sexual act. I don't think that's there. I think we've seen in Boaz and Ruth um, godly character, and I think you'll see that in Boaz going forward. But you also, Ruth, need to be available. You need to tell him what is gonna happen. You need to tell him what to do. And Ruth's response is that. She goes and does exactly what Boaz, uh, exactly what Naomi had told her to do. She follows through on her commitment to seek out Boaz in verses six and following. She goes down to the threshing floor. She lays across his feet. 
And he's stirred. He's like, well, who wouldn't be stirred? That happened a couple times this week. Two kids walk in, different nights, right? You just sense that somebody's there, and it kind of startles you when you wake up, and they're looking right at you. Are you awake? (laughs) I wasn't. Now I am, right? What do you want? Depends on how you wake me up and what mood I'm in when you wake me up. But listen to what Boaz said. Oh, blessed by the Lord are you. He offers her that blessing. And he commits to caring for her. Why? He says so down in verse 11. He says, don't fear. The townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. People know the story of Ruth at this point. The townspeople of Bethlehem know who Ruth is. She's been there a while. They're aware that she left her family, left her home, and turned her back on her God, Kamash, and turned back to Naomi and committed her life to follow Naomi, to look after Naomi, to care for Naomi as much as she possibly could. And she said, Naomi, your God will be my God, and committed her life to the God of Israel. People have heard her story. She has a godly reputation. It's interesting, I didn't know this to just studying this week, uh, in the Hebrew Bible, Proverbs uh, precedes Ruth, and right before uh, this story is Proverbs 31. You remember what's in Proverbs 31, the story of the virtuous woman? It's very interesting because there we get to read the story of Ruth, that her work is praised in the city gates. People know her for her reputation as a good and godly reputation. Even though she's a foreigner, she's a hard-working gal, and she works hard to make sure Naomi had everything Naomi needed. They've seen how she worked hard. She didn't have to go around tooting her own horn, saying, look how good I am. People knew she cared. People knew she loved for her family. They could tell by her service. But there's a problem. Boaz is more than willing. He says in verse 12, now it is true that I am a redeemer, but the problem is there is another redeemer. There is someone that is closer than I am. He says, look, we'll stay here. We'll get this sorted out. And as she wakes up in the morning and they're stirred up in the morning, there's an interesting play on words here at the end of this chapter. And she goes back to her mother-in-law. She goes back with this load of barley. It's about 80 pounds of barley she's carrying. And Boaz said, well, don't go back empty-handed. So not only do we have the story of Ruth and Boaz happening, we also still have this issue of Naomi being empty and bitter. I told you last week that I don't think the story of Ruth is all about Ruth. There's much more redemption and filling for Naomi. Even by the end of the story, it ends with Naomi being full again. She was full when she was in Bethlehem, but she left for the promises of Moab. She comes back empty and bitter, and yet we see God's redeeming work in her life. This is that moment. Don't go back empty-handed. Go back to Naomi with fullness. God is working to redeem her, to bring back Naomi to pleasantness so that her name will no longer be Mara or bitterness, but pleasant. So Ruth returns home, and Naomi's ready for the scoop. Inquiring minds want to know, tell me what happened. Whose daughter are you? It's not settled yet, Naomi. Naomi says, okay. 
Boaz is a man of character. He's a godly man. He's going to take care of it, and take care of it, he does. And what we find in chapter 4 is that redemption is costly and transactional. Redemption is costly and transactional. Let's think of that word redemption. For the rest of the story, it plays a prominent role for us, this redeemer, this Boaz. When we think of redemption, it's a word that assumes there is a problem and that people are in trouble. Someone or a people are in trouble. They're trapped. They are in need to be set free from some kind of problem, right? In chapter four, there is this meaning, uh, the meeting of the minds from Boaz, the unknown redeemer, and the townspeople. Boaz is going to work this meeting to bring about his position as the redeemer for Ruth. The other redeemer, he's closer in line than Boaz. He has the potential to mess up Naomi's plan. And Boaz presents the redeemer with the situation that Naomi is in. She lost her husband. She lost her two sons. There's no one now for Elimelech. And he makes the offer. He says, listen, if you're going to redeem, redeem it. Get on with it. Let's move on about our business. And so you'll see there at the end of verse 4, he's like, ah, yes, I will redeem it. And then Boaz said, oh, by the way, the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. And the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Friends, redemption is costly, and there's a transaction that takes place. When the man finds out about Ruth, he changes his mind. Redemption is costly. Though a close relative is trapped in a difficult situation, a painful situation, a situation that has brought bitterness into her life, it would still require a redeemer that was willing to pay the price and able to pay the price. The cost was too great for that guy. It's too great for him. He wasn't willing, he wasn't willing to put his own inheritance at stake. Quite different from Boaz. He was ready. He was prepared to accept the cost was Boaz. And in Boaz, we see God, how God has provided for his people. Boaz showed zero hesitation. He was absolutely willing. Boaz was taking deliberate action, thought through action. He, was, he had purpose. He was, he was fulfilling his promise to Ruth. He promised. He said, I will redeem you. He's faithful. And he did this not for Boaz's name, but for the dead man's name. He's unselfish. Redemption is costly. Redemption always is costly. There was a debt that had to be paid. Obviously, the nature of redemption means that it's going to cost. When we look at that truth pointing forward to Christ Jesus, who is our Redeemer, that we understand Scripture teaches he took upon the task of redeeming lost sinners in order that those who trust in the Redeemer are freed because of the price or the penalty for their sin being paid in full through his death on the cross. You see, that's the debt we had, the debt of our sin, the weight of judgment upon us 
for our sin, Jesus Christ took upon himself at the cross. It was put upon him at the cross. That Jesus performed that act at the cross willingly, purposefully, faithfully, and unselfishly, even more so than Boaz. Listen, Boaz is redeeming Ruth and the land of Malon. But here, Christ was so much more than land. It, is, it had our eternal futures at stake, did he? Boaz is redeeming that family member. Christ is redeeming or redeemed an entire creation, all of humanity. He redeemed from the punishment that we so justly deserve is what Christ has done for us, that he redeemed a people from death and eternal separation from God and hell. That is what Christ has done for you at the cross. Let's take a little trip through the New Testament, if you will. In John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist is out doing what prophets do, speaking and proclaiming the coming of the kingdom, and he looks out and he sees Jesus coming, and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, Jesus isn't just going to go, zap, you're free from your sin. No, Jesus had to pay the price in that. There's so much wrapped up in what John just said, who takes away. It's taken away because he redeemed us with his life. He redeemed us with his precious blood on the cross, which is what Peter points to in his first letter to the church. He says, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as gold or silver, things that are not going to last, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. The perfect blood of Christ, that is that Christ Jesus was the only one who was willing and able to be our redeemer. He is the reason why he went, that's the reason why he went to the cross. In Hebrews chapter 9, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats or calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. He did that because his blood paid the ransom. Not only is it costly, as it cost Jesus his life at the cross, but it's also a transaction. There's a transaction that takes place. This is an interesting part of the story. I think it's kind of funny. If my mom hadn't been here this morning, I was going to wear my sandals, but I knew I would get in trouble because there's this moment where, where they're working out the transaction of the redemption, and they, they, the sign of the transaction being done is that the no-name redeemer, we'll call him Mr. One Sandal, takes off a sandal and gives it to Boaz. That's the sign that it's been done. Now, we sign contracts or whatever. They just handed you a shoe, okay? There you go. Very interesting. So Mr. One Name, but there's the transaction that takes place. And he, he says, buy it for yourself. He draws off his sandal and he gives it to Boaz. And then Boaz calls in the, the, the townspeople and say, look, I've got a sandal. You smell his feet. We've got a transaction. It has happened. I have bought everything uh, out of the hand of Naomi, the, everything that belonged to Elimelech, Kilion and Malon. It's all there. And now that Ruth the Moabite, she's going to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead man in his inheritance. How about that? What a transaction. In all of that, what do we see? We see that God had set up a standard. God had set in his law and that standard had to be met. There was no working around it. Okay? There was no way to go around it. They had to have this meeting. They had to sit down and talk it out. They, they had to be presented the terms. It's not only Naomi, but it's Naomi, the land, and Ruth. You've got to take Ruth as well. That guy wasn't willing. Boaz is willing. There's no way around that. Could God have made the process easier? I'm sure he could have. But the path to redemption always required that the law would be satisfied, not bypassed. 
Brothers and sisters, we need to understand and remember that all of humanity is in a terrible mess. We are all in need of a redeemer because of our sin. The law of God demands that sin and rebellion against God be punished according to the justice of God, not according to the justice of the preacher or the church, but the justice of God, which is right and always on time and is thorough. He cannot overlook our sin. He cannot look past it because he is perfect and righteous. His just and right demands that the law placed, uh, placed in the law have to be met. And that is exactly what happened to the Lord Jesus at the cross. In his perfection, he satisfied the demands of God's law in our place. He died for the ungodly. He who knew no sin became sin for us on the cross. The cross was not a workaround or bypassing the law. It was fulfilling everything that God had planned. That's the transaction that took place at the cross. And to close this morning, I'll draw your attention to what the witnesses say of that transaction. Because redemption should be announced and witnessed. Look at verse 11. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. And so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her and that the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son The town's gate and the town's people where those transactions took place, they witnessed what was gathered, what was taking place that day, and they confirmed it by their witness. The blessing they give to Boaz and especially Ruth is just overflowing with blessing and God's grace. Ruth, you foreigner, you Moabite, who really shouldn't have ever been in Bethlehem, what kind of transaction and transformation has taken place for Ruth? That they would bless her and say, Ruth, may you be like Rachel and Leah, the, mother, the mothers of the 12 sons of Jacob, eventually the 12 tribes of Israel. May you be like them. They're witnesses to that legal proceeding. They're, they're, they're telling others, this is what happened. Listen, that's not a foreign concept to us. We are called to bear witness to the same transaction that happened at the cross. We are called to bear witness of all that has happened in and through Jesus Christ to the nations as Christ called us in Acts chapter one, verse eight. Redemption is transformational. We hear that in Ruth, Ruth the Moabitess, now Ruth the wife of Boaz, Ruth the mother of Obed, Ruth the great-great-grandmother of King David. Eventually, on down the line to the King of Kings, Jesus. If you go to Matthew chapter one, and I believe it's Luke chapter two, you will see the lineage laid out for you. You will find these names in the line of Jesus. Boaz, Obed, on down the line. Friends, redemption transforms those who are redeemed. As a new believer in Christ, like Ruth or Naomi, you have a new identity. 
you were brought in and adopted into the family of God, into the bride of Christ, the family that Ruth and Naomi belong to in and through Jesus Christ. One more look at Naomi. The the women of the town who looked out to her and said, could that be Naomi? Could that be pleasant coming back? Is that? And then she responded by saying, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. My life is full of bitterness. The hand of God has been against me. The same women in verse 14 said, Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Boaz isn't Naomi's redeemer, Obed is. God has not left you without a redeemer, Naomi. Naomi, your, your testimony was that God's hand was against you. That he took you away full and brought you back empty and bitter. Friend, that is not what God is about. He is about redemption. He is about restoring you from bitterness. And you see that played out in Naomi's life. He has brought you back. He has filled you. He, he, has, he has given you the redeemer. A redeemer who is going to be a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. Naomi, you're not alone. Redemption, the redemption offered to us in Christ transforms our lives. Transforms us by giving us a hope that is sure and steadfast and certain for the future. That the work of Christ paid for by his blood at the cross and is secured day by day by day by the Holy Spirit. Friends, what we see in the book of Ruth in this story is that there was a family in rebellion going their own way instead of God's way, staying in Bethlehem, turning their hearts back to him while they were in Bethlehem. They left the house of bread. They left Bethlehem for the empty promises of Moab. And they quickly found that the bitterness of sin engulfed her life, did Naomi and Ruth. That Naomi and Naomi's bitterness, she tried to turn her daughters-in-law back to Moab, and Ruth stuck with her, clung to her. She was ready to go home because she heard that God had visited his people once again and brought the harvest once again, and upon their return, that God would provide a way forward through a redeemer. All their hope now focused at the end of the story on the son that was born. For Ruth and Naomi, that's Obed. For you and me, that's the son that was born, Jesus. We too are still in sin and rebellion There was that son born to be the redeemer of the world. God had worked that plan so that in the redeemer's purchasing your freedom from a debt you could not pay nor escape, he also bought you for something, not just to take you out of, but to to take you into something, and that is to conform you to the image of his son, to his glory. And there is where we find rest. But Jesus said, come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Redemption in Christ is where we find rest and fullness. Do you know Jesus today as your kinsman redeemer?